Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. And as a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Tony Andraki here, joined by Andy Martinez and special guest Ryan Dempster. And guys, it's been a very active winter meeting so far. Here we are in the final day, but what's kind of stood out to you guys most just about all of the moves around baseball in general? Demp, we'll start with you. Like, not even just the Cubs moves, but everything. It's been so active this week. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the, the kind of the, the best parts about this. When you come down to a winter meetings, you go somewhere and you – have all these, you know, upper echelon free agents and stars in the game. And then you're wondering when it's going to take place, and it's gone on all weekend long. You know, it started before we even got here with the DeGrom stuff. And, you know, and then right when we get here, boom, Justin Verlander off the board and the Trey Turner massive deal. And then last night with Aaron Judge, you know, a huge amount of money and $40 million a year. So it's just exciting. And then, you know, to see the Cubs making moves, right? Like getting yeah. better and adding pieces and creating depth. And it's just been a ton of fun to cover it and kind of just follow along and see what happens. And it's not done yet. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is it's more active than the, past, the last few years. Obviously, the last two years, there, haven't, there hasn't been a winter meetings. Last year, it was all remote, or excuse me, two years ago, it was all remote, virtual. They're not really the same winter meetings. But even before then, there wasn't as many big signings at right. the winter meetings the last few years like there have been this year. And that, to me, has been exciting. It's like, this guy might be coming off the board here soon. This guy, this guy is in talks with this team. That's been to me just as exciting as the actual deals going through. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the the in person, right? Like when yeah. you get in person, just like anything, it's like, you know, when you walk by the kiosk in the mall and the person like has this thing you put on your hand that makes your skin feel good, yeah. you know, and you make eye contact. Next thing you know, you're walking out there with like three hundred dollars in beauty products, you know. <laughs> I haven't been yeah. in a mall in a really long yeah, time. Yeah, but then you know what yeah. you know what I'm talking I about, right? So that's the about, same yeah. thing when you're here. Like when everything's yeah. virtual yeah. and it's like Zoom or it's emails and stuff. Things yeah. don't end up getting done. But when you get in a room with somebody or you know you're you're meeting with guys away from you know at a restaurant or a, ho- a hotel somewhere else or somebody's house, and you get that face-to-face interaction, you can really see how much somebody wants you, and that's why these deals I think are taking place. Yeah, and really kind of just based off of both of you guys' points. I mean, remember a few years ago when Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were free agents and they didn't sign until the middle of spring training. And we were down in Arizona months after this point. And it was like, oh yeah, Bryce Harper's having a press conference today. Manny Machado's having a press conference. And then Cactus League games were starting shortly after that. So it's a much different world now. And it's really nice. It's super refreshing as a baseball fan to see all of this happen. It's awesome to see Twitter, you know, like somebody so-and-so is closing in on somebody. And then it happens, bam, like right like that. So it's been very, very cool. And one of the biggest things, I think, from a Cubs perspective, isn't even affecting the roster on the field. We found out earlier today that Pat Hughes was the recipient of the Ford C. Frick Award. He will be going into the Hall of Fame. He was voted into the Cubs Hall of Fame earlier this year. But, Demp, what are your favorite memories of Pat Hughes? Obviously, he's been there for a while, your whole career there. And just, like, what what about him has stood out to you in your interactions? Oh, his kindness. You know, just, like, the type of person he is. Like, playing, you don't ever hear him. I'm, not, I'm on the field or I'm in the right. dugout, so you don't hear the games he's calling. It wasn't until afterwards when I came back that I really truly started to appreciate that and understand mm. that. Um, but just the daily interactions, always so um, you know, engaging and, and kind and unbelievable at the crosswords. I'm a crossword guy. You know, the USA Today is pretty easy. Uh, you know, Monday through Thursday with the New York Times, you're going to work a little bit. But Pat's like a, he can throw a Sunday New York Times or L.A. Times together. So he was always my go-to on the plane ride. If I was struggling with something, couldn't figure out, like, you know, a three-letter word for feline, I went to him. <laughs> you know? So he, he really just, um, yeah, I mean, he deserves this honor. 
everything he's done is is really really incredible in his career so i'm just super happy for him and can't wait to see um you know what kind of eloquent beautiful speech he gives in cooperstown in the summer I gotta, I gotta ask really quickly. Have you ever been a New York Times or USA Today clue yet uh, on the crossword? Uh, I have not. Um, okay. No, I, I haven't. Um, you know, Mookie, that's that's life goals. Mookie yeah. bets was just a clue. Maybe yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. The answer was bets, and I, I wondered maybe you had been on there. One yeah. or two T's. Yeah. Two T's. Two T's. Yeah. So Mookie bets. Yeah. No, that would be like if you find that, you know, you've made it. Yeah. yeah that is. When you're in the in the crossword, you're, <laughs> you've made it. <laughs> Andy, what stood out to you from when Pat Hughes was talking? Because he hopped on his Zoom a little bit after, and we were on it. Like, what has stood out to you about that? But then also just the really cool way in which he found out that he was going to be part of the Cubs Hall of Fame when Crane Kenny hopped on uh, live on air, and and we broadcasted on marquee. It was, like, a really cool moment. But, like, to me, one of the things that stood out is just Pat seems so down-to-earth and genuine that, like, he just still thinks of himself as not, like, a Hall of Famer or not, like, this – iconic voice that so many Cubs fans have grown up with and now like generations of people have listened to Pat Hughes that's that's the first word that came up to mind was genuine his his reaction was genuine he said after they said congratulations you're going to the Hall of Fame he kind of said he it went into a blur he doesn't remember what happened afterwards and that really is you know that the, that is a realistic that if you had big news t- delivered to you you would probably forget after the, the news is delivered yeah. that is just a very genuine reaction for him and that to me was the most telling thing it's been a great year for him. The Hall of Fame here, the Cubs Hall of Fame, the way he was told with Crane Kenny going on there, as you mentioned, was a special moment. And you could tell how much it meant to him, both the Cubs Hall of Fame and, and this one, just given the lineage of great broadcasters that the Chicago Cubs have had. It, it, to, for him to be in that same breath as those guys is, is very, very fitting. Yeah, and he'll, by all, all accounts, he'll have a couple new guys that he'll be talking about and broadcasting about. And we already talked about Cody Bellinger. Andy, you and I talked about him last night in the podcast. And now Jamison Tyon, a little after we got off the podcast, we found out the reported signing of him for a four-year deal. But, Demp, as you you know, look at him and, and maybe break down or just what you know of Tyon as a pitcher, this 31-year-old right-hander, former number two overall pick, how do you see him fitting in with the Cubs once the move is official? And what could he possibly bring to this team on the north side? Yeah, I think the biggest thing he is could could bring or probably sh- will bring is stability, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and on top of that, you know, he, he's he's elite. You know, like is he upper echelon elite? Not yet. I think that's I think that's in there. But I mean, he's one of the top pitchers in the league. Um, he did a great job of pitching in that ballpark. You know, he gave up a few home runs, but um, at the end of the day, Yankee Stadium a little bit of a launching pad as far as that goes. Um, you hear a lot of things. I had a chance to talk with Derek Shelton last night about him. Um, just great guy, great teammate, uh, great work ethic. So when you have all these things, now you don't become – there's no nothing to worry about for David Ross having to figure out, am I going to make this guy comfortable? No, he's going to be comfortable the moment he walks in the locker room. He's pitched in the NL Central before. He's familiar with a lot of the ballparks, the mounds, all that kind of stuff. So there's a comfort level for him. Um and, you know, it just I, I think adding that piece to the front end of your rotation now pushes everybody back where, you know, maybe at the end of the year, you're like, all right, who's the number four and five? You yeah, know, yeah. now it's like, who's the number five or who's the number six and the seven? You need that. You need that depth. You need six, seven, eight starters over the course of 162 games, especially the way it's, it is nowadays with the way pitching is managed to be successful. Even the best of teams with the best of rotations very few of those go one through five all year it's moving pieces in and out so you're giving that frontline starter to go at your front of your rotation that makes the back of your rotation easier to manage 
that's one thing that the, the the depth is so important. Remember at the beginning of last year, everyone was talking about the Dodgers starting pitching and how they have so many guys. How yeah. are they going to use it? And Walker Bueller goes down. Dustin May had been hurt. They've got all these injuries piling out. Tony Gonsolin. And now it's, yes, you have these great five starters, but they're all hurt. And you need that depth. And they still won over 100 games. They were still very successful. That's because they had that depth. And that's what the Cubs need to have. You, you can't, as you mentioned, you can't have five guys and say, yep, these guys are going to make a start every fifth day and we're going to be good. They're all going to have 33 starts. That's just not how it works. The big thing for me when I looked at his stat line was the innings pitched. Mm-hmm. Being in that 170 mark is huge. Back when you were pitching, you was the 200 mark. Now we're, we're seeing the 170 mark. That's huge to have that. We saw in May and June with the Cubs rotation when there was you were getting four or five innings if you were lucky, and then you were stretched thin with your bullpen. Having a guy who can go five, six innings every fifth day is, is huge, and it saves your bullpen, it saves your rotation, and it saves some of those young ar- younger arms as they're coming up through the through the system. Yeah, and you mentioned that the saving of the bullpen. You know, for David down the stretch, managing that bullpen and using those guys. You can do that for like these months stretches, whether that's two months, but eventually that catches up with you. So if you start out of the gate of the season, just riding your bullpen all season long, eventually they're going to tire out. So to have a guy that's an innings eater, you know, you mentioned five, six, he's a guy that goes six, seven, yeah. you know, even eight. Sometimes. I was being generous there. Yeah. 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 And, and so that is like something the Cubs really haven't had much of um, in the past few years. So to, to do that now, you just push your bullpen back for other guys are getting extra days off and it just makes them stronger and better for when they are out there pitching. Yeah. And I can't help but think that there might be a little bit of upside here too with Tyon, just because of a guy who, you know, he's gone through cancer. He's had two Tommy John surgeries, including one before he even made his, his big league debut. He's about three years removed from Tommy John now, but you know, at only 31, like this is a former number two overall pick. This is a guy that has already been very, very successful for both the Yankees and the Pirates and in different divisions and I wonder if maybe he there is a little bit of a different level there too and, and you know you can't guarantee that as he is now you know he's a 3-9-4 ERA guy he is a good 2-3 guy for sure but there, I think there is the potential for more upside and the fact that over a four-year deal you lock up a guy for several seasons it's not just a, a stopgap guy for this year until Hayden Wesneski or Caleb Killian or one of these guys comes it's like no this guy could be a top of the rotation type starter for a while and then I think it's smart from the Cubs because like there's still an opportunity for Wesneski to win a job out of camp or for Caleb Killian to turn things around after hitting a speed bump next year or in the middle of last season something like that can still happen Javier Assad and then Keegan Thompson can be in the bullpen Adbert Alzali these multi-inning weapons that we see they don't have to start and they potentially don't have to start with all the depth as the Cubs continue maybe they add another starter down the road here too but having Keegan Thompson back to your point Demp that really helped Rossi in, in especially the first month and a half of the season having Thompson in the bullpen to eat three or four innings sometimes you just give that entire bullpen a reset and then you also can come out and you can have a three inning save something like that so I think it helps in a multiple different ways yeah like and the Keegan Thompson thing that I love about it is you know a, a starter maybe he doesn't get rocked you know it's not that he had such a bad game that you got to bring in somebody for long relief but sometimes you know he maybe he has to work a little bit harder yeah. and he only gets through five innings or maybe even just four innings in that game but the game's still close the luxury of having a guy like Keegan Thompson in your bullpen that can go three innings or so out of the pen and now bridge that gap and allow you a because he's you know dominating out of the pen now they, they don't score and now the game, you allow your offense to score some runs, and now you can get it towards the back end of the bullpen. So, and that's kind of what we're seeing in baseball a little bit, that, that swing man guy. That, uh, every team is trying to have that one guy, and then if he throws three innings, it's not a 
five days till your pitch your next time. It's just a couple days off, and then you're back in there again. And, yeah, just, you know, the more starters you add, the more depth and the more possibility of having maybe even another guy that steps into that role. Adrian Sampson maybe goes into that role, um, things like that. So then you just start to have all these different weapons that you can use when you're trying to go against these teams. And that's been invaluable experience for some of the younger guys. We saw what Keegan Thompson has done out of the bullpen. We saw what Hayden Wesneski did out of the bullpen, got them comfortable. And then when they did start making starts, Justin Seal too, when they did start making starts, they were very comfortable. They, they knew they belonged. They knew they could get out at the major league level, and it led to success. So that's that's another little added bonus that, that comes with that. Absolutely. And going back to the upside, too, I think this rotation has a bunch more upside if Kyle Hendricks can come back and be the guy that he was prior to the injury, if his health gets back to 100%, but also if that consistency, consistency gets back to where he was, too. I mean, that stretch in 2021 where he had about three months where he's a quality start every time. You know, he was helping the team win. Yep. Imagine that. And right now, the Cubs could go into the next season with him as like the number four starter, just the way Steele has developed, and then Stroman and Tyon as well. So I think there's there's the potential for more upset overall. And like we've said, this trickle-down effect, I think, of signing a guy like this. And then let's see what else they do, too. I think there's the potential for more here, whether it's a, a, a for-sure starter or just another guy who could start, be in the bullpen, whatever else. I think there's other moves to be made. But as we look at these two guys, right, because there's two guys in a day coming out reported with Tyone and then Bellinger early in the day. Demp, how much better do you think the Cubs are now than when they came to San Diego? Just the way this roster looks, adding two big guys like that. Ten wins better. You know, I just think, like, the the experience and, and ability of Jamison Tyon, you know, to add a, a guy like Cody Bellinger who can play center field and first base, both gold glove caliber. So if he plays every day in center field, there's a good chance he's a finalist for the gold glove award. He plays that good of defense. Runs the bases, not just uh, not just stolen bases, but the way he, he you know takes the extra base, gets reads on balls. The baseball pedigree that he has, his dad Clay was major league baseball player, um, World Series champion with the Yankees, so he knows what he's doing as far as how it how to play the game and the right way to play the game. Um, and this guy was rookie of the year, he was MVP. Yeah. And then you know 2020, I always say 2020, nobody's stats mattered. Right. It didn't matter if you were had a great year or you had a bad year. They don't matter because there was no chance for anything to correct itself. If you had a good two months, yeah. hey, cool, you, I hit 340. No, maybe not, but you did for two months, <laughs> right, you know. Right. So, and, and same as if you had a bad year. And then he had that shoulder injury after the high five when he hit the home run and the high five, his shoulder popping in and out. And I felt like last year, you know, was, you know, obviously offensively just a tick down from where, he, you know, it could be. He was 220 with, you know. The, the 19 home runs, 14 stolen bases, but now all of a sudden, you know, he gets healthy again, makes a little tinker in his swing, finds that uh, that timing that he had when he won the MVP, gets a little less swing and miss in that bat. Then you're talking like there's there's upside, right? Yeah. And and risk, sure. Is it a lot of money? Yeah, that's a lot of money. But in today's game, it's not a huge amount of money, and it's one year. Yep. One year. Yeah. If it doesn't yep. work out, then it doesn't work out. But if it works out great, it's good for both parties. I'm curious, too. So you mentioned the potential for upside and stuff. How much would a change of scenery potentially help? And, and obviously your perspective as a former player, how can that help and be empowering to guys at times? Yeah, you know, change of scenery from the Dodgers to the Cubs – you know, it's not like he was going from losing or anything like that, right. but it does help because sometimes you can get stagnant. Um, you know, you get the same message from the same hitting coach or you get the same message from the same manager and you just get stuck somewhere. And, you know, for him, um, the ability to, like, get a kind of a fresh start, um, maybe to know that he's playing center field every day, 
um, those kind of things, uh, different division. You're not facing all the same pitchers who were pitching you a certain way. I, and I know everybody in the league knows the scouting report, but still, like some guys execute better, and right. you know it's a tough division pitching wise. Yeah, I just I think that you know it, it's it's in there to be unlocked, and maybe a change of scenery and just something new for a little bit re-energizes you, and for him too, reset his market like. He has an opportunity to go out there and like have a really good year, and then be able to go in the open market. And as we've seen over the past couple of days, there's there's some bread out there to be made, yeah. like some serious bread. Yeah, and the thing about it too is when you're thinking about can he regain his form, can he regain this, can he bounce back? The thing I I stress is it's not a guy that's bouncing back who's 35, 36, and you're just hoping to get what he was 10 years ago. Or and it's not like. It's a guy who had one good season, and you're hoping you can get that one good season back. No, as you mentioned, this is a former MVP. This is a former Rookie of the Year, and he's only 27 years old. He's still young. He's still in his prime. He can still theoretically find a, a, close to his MVP level. Is he going to be in his MVP level? Maybe, maybe not. But you hope that he can get to a, a significant level where he can contribute both offensively and defensively, defensively, and it's something that's very realistic, I think. And still young. He's only 27 years yeah. old. Yeah, yeah, and I think – like you said, 10 wins or so, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? And looking at how Bellinger and Tyone can impact the trickle-down effect. Because I think, Demp, we were talking about this this morning too, like adding Bellinger in the lineup just makes it look a lot longer, right? And yeah. and there's still more to do. I think we, we all understand, like especially if they get one of these big shortstops, like that would make the lineup look quite a bit deeper. But as it is now, adding another lefty in there, giving Ross more versatility and flexibility in the lineup, and then just the length. I mean, you got Nico, you got Saya, you got Hab, and then you you have guys like Wisdom, you have other guys, Christopher Morrell, Zach McKinstry, other Jan Gomes, guys who, who can play certain roles, but then you have a guy like Bellinger that you just put in in the four yeah. or five hole, lefty, mix guys up. I, th- I think it has another trickle-down effect on this team, but also I think it, it illustrated to me that like I do think there's the Cubs still need to make some moves out there, right? And I think obviously they want to as well. So when it comes down to the top shortstops out there, Demp, if you were Jed, if you were Carter making this decision, which guy would you want of the three available between Dansby, Correa, and Xander? Which guy would you like on the Cubs? Which guy would make the best fit on this team, in this lineup, on this roster? Yeah, which guy would I want the most probably for me personally, and that's just because I know him and trust him, Xander Bogarts. Mm -hmm. Played with him in Boston. Um, He was very impressive as a rookie when he came up and we won the World Series in 2013. Um, you know, the ability to slide him to third base, you know, sometimes people look at that as a plus. Well, like you can just slide him to third. You kind of want to like have your shortstop and that be your shortstop. And so when I look at that, I think the best fit for the Cubs probably would be Dansby Swanson. You know, he's still got the youth pedigrees off the charts, right? You look at from winning championships, the college world series to minor league championships to winning a world series with the Braves. Like he's a winner. Yeah. Um, you talk to the guys in Atlanta about him. They, they love him. He's a leader. And um, and then you shore up the middle of your infield defense. You know, if you slide Nico Horner over to second, especially with the no shift nowadays, you got two guys with a huge amount of range that play gold glove de- defense. Now you're, what happens? Your pitching staff becomes better yep. because you're playing this kind of defense. And then in center field, you got a guy, Cody Bellager. It just says it is just really, really fun to think about the possibility of having one of those guys. Like, would Correa be great? Sure, absolutely. I mean, all of these guys, you know, you mentioned like a lineup and looking different and just feeling a little bit different. You add one of these guys to the mix, now you start to really – now you can like lean on your lineup a little bit and you can see this lineup starting to put together stretches where they're going to score a bunch of runs. 
Same question to you, Andy. Which of the three shortstop do you think could make the best fit with the Cubs? For me, it's it's always been Carlos Correa. Just given the youth, given the big moments, always seem to find him, and he steps up in the big moments. We've seen him in World Series. We've seen him in the playoffs do well. He was a leader in that Minnesota Twins clubhouse. That's something I was I, I did not know that he was or, or was capable of, and he was really a leader for the Minnesota Twins. I think he would make a ton of sense and would improve the the, the middle infield defense. But like you said, it's really you know yeah. you, you pick one and you're not going to go wrong with mm-hmm. either of them Dansby Swanson is, isn't maybe as flashy as some of the, as the other two but he just does everything well and, and solid and he's he's very good at everything it's really it's really tough but I would have to say Carlos Correa just given the youth just given the flashiness and the, the ability to, to shine in the big moment yeah and if the Cubs want to go out and get star power I mean Correa has the yep. most star power of those three like he, he has that pedigree that cachet and mm-hmm. something that would obviously get the fans and, and the fan base really riled up but I think for me it would be Xander Bogarts too just because I think I think he's the best pure hitter of the bunch yeah. right like the guy that has the potential to hit 300 310 every time 370 on base that kind of stuff that's the guy that I think moving forward, Xander Bogarts has the most potential to do. And then I do think there is something about the, the flexibility potentially to move to third. A guy like Nico staying at short, but also in the first couple of years, he could be at short and Nico could be at second. I think there's a lot of different options out there. But yeah, to, I mean, you guys' points are great. Like all three guys would be a huge asset to this team moving forward. And I'm sure David Ross would love any of these guys <laughs> writing their names on the lineup moving forward. I do think the one thing with Correa to me, though, that worries me a bit is he probably would get the most money I'm thinking he might get the most money out of everybody else but I think just the injury history and the fact that you know over his career he's averaged 113 games a season like he has missed time and and sometimes significant time so obviously that would be a concern but there's no guarantee that that would happen moving forward as well so um, I do think there's a little bit that comes with that as get your Wintrust exclusive debit card get your Cubs card Ooh, I'll take one how much actually they pay you $300 you heard right get a three hundred dollar bonus when you open a cubs checking account with wintrust enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your wintrust cubs debit card get your exclusive card at wintrust.com slash cubs only 100 required to open no monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees member fdic and equal housing lender one thing too i think with uh moving forward in some of the other moves we've seen around baseball is Wilson Contreras going to the Cardinals, adding another wrinkle to the Cubs-Cardinals rivalry here. Temple, start with you. What was your reaction when you saw Wilson, the reported news that he's going to be going to St. Louis, and how do you think that's going to play out? Because May 8th, Cardinals come to town at Wrigley, and they're going to be playing, you know, Wilson Contreras is going to be wearing the Cardinal red. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was the, the tie, right? Like, the Cardinals needed a catcher because Yachty's retiring, so that there was rumblings. Would, would they go after Wilson Contreras? Yeah. And in that rivalry, it's it's going to be interesting to see how fast Cubs fans don't like Wilson Contreras. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, here's a guy who was so beloved, um, and you know, the World Series championship and a part of that whole run, and then all the special moments when he thought he was going to be trading all these different things, the standing ovations yeah. and the tears that flowed, and then all of a sudden you put that Cardinal uniform on, and Cubs fans are going to be like, I, I don't like this guy. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's going to. I'm sure he's going to be extremely emotional. Listen, anytime you're playing and you get traded and then you play your old team, you know, whether the guys want to admit it or not, I don't know what it is. Subconsciously, some sort of light clicks on and you want to just do it that much better. I have a feeling he might have some big moments. Maybe some of those are at Wrigley Field, but um, he's going to want to stick it to the Cubs when he plays against them, uh, rightfully so. 
So I think there's going to be a lot of motion behind those games, and there'll be a lot of fun to watch, and that's good. That's what rivalry should be like. It should be intense. It should be you know kind of emotional like that. So I, I hope that he brings it every single time. And I think his passion, too, like you said, that'll come through. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see the reception immediately at Wrigley Field. But then, like you said, Dem, what, how is that going to be, you know, when he comes up in the first inning or second inning in that first at-bat or he gets a first big hit or he throws out somebody trying to steal or, or back pick at first, something like that. Because, like, if he signed with, like, you know, uh, the San Francisco Giants yeah. or, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies, whatever, and he came back to Chicago – and he got a hit, they'd probably cheer him. Yeah. Right. But you're signing with the rival across yeah. the way, right. so there's going to be no cheering going on. You and know? I guarantee you that first pitch he sees, he's going to be swinging big time, yeah. yes, just absolutely. given the way he plays. Yeah. I, I saw just from like people I know who are Cubs fans and just on social media, I saw more people reacting to Wilson signing with the Cardinals than I even saw like the Jamison Tyon reaction. The yeah. Cubs actually acquire a guy versus a guy, you know, obviously a World Series hero and stuff, but I saw more reaction to that just because it's the Cardinals. And I yeah. saw like people saying, oh, that one hurts and that kind of stuff because it's that rivalry because to the fans it is something extra so I, I think there's something to that and then just I mean Wilson's going to be one of the most motivated players out there because he's going to be playing the Cubs a bunch including in London next year too but also back at Wrigley Field a couple of times so it'll be a lot of fun to watch this season. Demp, before we let you go, we wanted to ask you one thing, too. So uh, David Ross entering year four as manager. I know you go way back with him. Curious how you see how you've seen him grow as a manager, but also just when you were playing and, and playing together in Boston and just what you know of the guy back then. Did you think he'd turn into a manager like this? Did you did you kind of envision this type of role for him? And, and just how have you seen him grow in the last 10 years or so? Yeah, I did see him as this role as a manager at the big league level you know when he was playing and when he wasn't in the lineup and he was on the bench he wasn't taking pitches off he was always looking for some sort of edge competitive edge to to beat the other team whether that was figuring out you know what the I remember we were playing Baltimore and he figured out what the touch you know the the throw over was from their bench coach to their catcher well, then, like, once we knew that, it was like, you know, you, there's ways to let the guy at first base know, and next thing you know, guys are stealing bases all over the place. Like, he was always into everything that was going on and how do we win and what do we do and accountability um, as a teammate. So then when he got the job as a manager, you know, just watching him evolve to be comfortable in his own skin, to know that he's good enough to be a manager in the big leagues, um, and then, you know, just how he manages his – his guys right you go find kind of from a manager he wasn't gone too long from playing and you know there's still that I want to be a player type feeling yeah. and now it's like no I'm in complete control of this ship I'm the captain I'm the one that's steering it and uh you know the way he trusts in guys and and respects the guys therefore gains his respect you know the old school way was you respect the manager you respect the coaches the newer school way is that those guys take the kind of lead of respecting the players first and instantly gain that trust um, and the manager gets that trust and gets that respect back so it's just really been fun to watch him grow and become better and not a doubt in my mind that at some point he'll be he'll be sitting there winning a world series as a manager too Indy what you've got a chance to talk to Rossi a couple times out here what has stood out to you about uh, him, I know you and I were talking just about he seems even more confident now, I think, yeah. than he did at the end of the season after he's had a couple of months away from this season just to, to refresh, reset, and then move forward. He just seems very, very confident in what the team could do moving forward. I think it's just the experience. You kind of see the experience from an outside perspective where you see him growing 
as a tactician, if you want to go, if you want to go that way, but also just as a leader, being able to comfort guys. I think one of the bigger moments for me was in 2021 when Javi Baez got thrown out uh, with two outs, thinking that it was it was a third out, and he came up to him and said, "Hey, man, you know this is a former teammate. It couldn't have been easy telling him, hey, you're gonna sit down. That you had your head's not in the game. This is a learning opportunity. That to me is the sign of a great leader. That the tough conversation, being able to do that, and being able to tell the guy that, hey." this isn't up to your standards this isn't up to our standards that to me is the kind of leader you want especially with so many young guys on on the roster as they continue to evolve and, and try to build towards a, a winning ball club yeah it'll be and one of the things ross said too is that it would feel extra special for him if he's the manager of a championship winning team versus even the couple that he won as a player just because of how involved he is in the process and every aspect of it beyond just playing so we'll see obviously if the cubs get to that point and especially in 2023 or beyond but that'll do it here for the cubs weekly podcast thanks to demp and andy i'm tony here uh again we are sponsored by wintrust don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on spotify or apple podcast and check us out in video form in the marquee sports network app and youtube thanks for tuning in all week here in san diego